0: Welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Ben Shalati. And I'm Charlie Bird.
1: Each episode, we discuss a question we commonly get asked as LGBTQ plus Latter-day Saints.
0: We're not trying to answer this question or come to consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, what's it like to go to conversion therapy?
1: Ben and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, we both had pets growing up.
0: However, there are some pretty big differences. I, for example, I just had a cat and Charlie's family had a whole farm. Tell me about your cat. (laughs) We had a number of cats growing up. My dad didn't like dogs, but he would allow cats. So I like cats. Yeah, and one time my mom stole a cat because she has Alzheimer's. She and, stole a cat? Yeah, there was a neighborhood cat. that was like an outdoor cat and she started feeding it and like letting it into the house and it just started living with us because the cat didn't know any better. But and, it was like, it wasn't a stray. It was like literally someone cat. Yeah, it was someone cat. else's cat. And That's I had to, like, so had to like tell the neighbors, I was like, I'm so sorry. My mom has Alzheimer's and she stole your cat. And they were like, as long as the cat's happy.
1: <laughs> I had so many pets growing up. Like, I, I had weird pets. Like, I had a deer for a little bit. I oh, had a coyote for a little bit. I had a turkey. Is it had, legal to
0: have a coyote as a pet?
1: It just it just kind of showed up. Okay. And that was, <laughs> I was like, eight, and I was like, "I'm going to feed this coyote." Um, I think probably the most interesting though. What did you name the the coyote? I don't remember. Okay. Probably yo, Wiley. That makes sense. Is that the uh, I think yeah. I think that's what it's name. But one time there was a calf that was born and it was sick. Um, and I think it's, it's I think the mom had died in labor or something oh. anyway so we loaded up into the back of our family suburban and we took it home because we needed to take it to the vet but it was like super late and um <laughs> it would like slept on the floor next to my bed because oh. i had the hardwood floors in my room growing up and then i woke up in the middle of the night and the cow was gone what <laughs> and we had like this like really big ranch style house and so, like, in the middle of the night, I'm, like, running through trying to find this cow. It was so funny. I found it in the hallway, like, on the opposite side of the house, and I, like, had to, like,
0: Have drag it back. it
1: back in. It was awesome. Yeah, well, I had a really fun childhood.
0: Well, we grew up in different places. We definitely My mom did. sold a cat. You lost a cow.
1: Yeah, I did. <laughs> anyway, we like to provide a variety of voices and perspectives, and today we're happy to be joined by Dustin Lichty.
0: Hi. Hello.
2: Welcome. Thanks for having me. So, Dustin, tell us a little bit about you. Um, my name is Dustin Lichty. I'm from Provo, Utah, born and raised. Um, grew up here, and then went to Southern Utah University to go to college and studied dance performance and biology there. Um, and very then, common double major, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, so many <laughs> dancing scientists. <laughs> um, and then uh, left to go to veterinary school. Did that through Utah State and Washington State. Where so cool. I graduated from um, and then went and did a, a rotating general internship at Purdue University in Indiana and then moved to <laughs> Tacoma, Washington. what, what? <laughs> To work for a year. Um, and now I work here in uh, Salt Lake City as an emergency veterinarian. You're a right.
1: seasoned vet.
2: Yeah, I've been right. a, a vet for just over Two years now, two and a half years. Now. Did you have oh. pets growing up? A lot of pets. Yeah. Did you have a coyote. <laughs> I did not have a coyote. Um, what, about a, what about a cow in your bedroom? Not a cow in my bedroom. We did. My dad bought a cow for us when we were kids. Um, it was a calf. He bought it at an auction with the point of you need to know where your food is coming from. Mm. Um, and so we raised the did cow, he, did and he then make we ate it. No, we, we did eat it. We didn't kill it ourselves. We took it to a, a slaughterhouse, and they, oh. they did it for us. But yeah, we we raised the cow. I think the craziest pet I had growing up was at one point we had a, a pet raccoon. Oh, that's a so fun. House. Yeah. My dad... They had opposable thumbs. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. Oh, my I dad can. works for the Division of Wildlife and so I've <laughs> been around a lot of different crazy... Things. that's and, cool yeah. and dustin you love to bake you brought us a cheesecake i did i oh. i love to bake um cheesecake's my favorite <laughs> dessert and i know ben loves the golden girls so i figured what better way to to celebrate so we just chowed down on cheesecake and talked about which golden girl we would be <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> we, we kept it on the table so it could be in the video
0: <laughs> it's a really it was delicious it's yeah, beautiful, and, and delicious. thank you yeah well dustin we're happy to have you here today and just as a dis- as a disclaimer we're going to talk about some tough really vulnerable and hard things today uh, so, if anyone's triggered by conversion therapy, um, you're also going to talk about some more adult themes, and just want the listeners to know that that this is going to be a heavier episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Dustin, why don't you give us an overview of of the the therapy you've done, so that we can kind of get a lay of the land, and then we can dig into what the experience was like for you. Um,
2: I, I did I did want to make a, a mention here at the beginning that you know the two fears I had about coming on this podcast to talk about this specific topic. Um, is that people would either take away a really negative view of my parents or about the parents of anyone who has been through conversion therapy, um, and then my other fear is that people would think that I'm anti the church or anti LDS, um, and and those that's that's not true. I, I'm definitely still a member of the church, and um, but I. I just want people to to be thinking about those two things during as they're listening to this episode because i i don't I don't want those two messages to to come across
0: yeah of course thank you
2: um, um but yeah i I think you guys <laughs> chose me specifically for this episode because I've been through conversion therapy twice um once was during high school, I went for about two years there um and then once was in college after my mission
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So, help us understand, like, like what led you to go to conversion
0: therapy when you were a teenager?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, that that was a, a recommendation on um, church leadership. So, um, when my my parents found out that I was gay in in high school, um, which I, th- I think it happened, not just to me, but to a lot of people, um, it, it kind of raises a lot of questions for a lot of LDS families mm-hmm. because there's this idea that. You know, in order to have true joy, you have to be in a heterosexual marriage with kids, and and not only is that the only way to to find joy, but it's also the way to find salvation. Um, and so, when you have a child who is not able to fit that that mold of getting married to someone of the opposite sex and have a family, you're left questioning how do I help my child find joy how do i help them find salvation because i want to spend my eternity you know, with my family um and so especially in like the 90s and and before the there wasn't there wasn't a lot of information on this topic and so naturally the the place that people turn with those questions is to their church leaders because this is something that relates to the gospel um and at the time, you know, the the recommendation from church leadership was conversion therapy because this was something that was viewed as as changeable. Um that, that idea first started probably back in like the nineteen fifties and sixties mm-hmm. um very heavily pushed by um spencer w kimball and the the um, miracle of forgiveness um i actually wrote down a couple quotes sorry i have my notes here with me it just can, i wouldn't can I ask things. a question first yeah.
1: um did you tell your parents or did they find out somehow
2: um yeah i didn't tell them it was uh, they they just d- found out that i was that i was gay it wasn't really a, a choice to come oh, out that's that so point. scary i'm um, sorry that's okay
0: <laughs> and, and you're 34 now
2: Uh, I turn 34 next week. Okay.
0: Yeah. Almost happy birthday.
2: And so this would have been like 18, 19 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So this would have been when I was about 15, 15, 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But so I wrote down this quote from Spencer W. Kimball. that's in the miracle of forgiveness. um, And it says, certainly it can be overcome for there are numerous happy people who were once involved in its clutches and who have since completely transformed their lives. Therefore, to those who say that this uh, practice or any other evil is incurable, I respond How can you say that the door cannot be opened until your knuckles are bloody till your head is bruised until your muscles are sore. It can be done. Accordingly, some totally conquer homosexuality in a few months. Others linger on with less power and require more time to make the total comeback. The cure is as permanent as the individual makes it. And so that, you know, that, that quote right there, you know, let is giving the idea that this is something that is 100% changeable. Mm -hmm. And, and so that that idea that this is something changeable allows families to have hope that their child can have that those things, that that marriage, that salvation. Um and, and that's something that was promised to to these people, um, parents specifically. And, you know, some people who were also adults at this, you know, who read this and thought, well maybe I can change this. So not everybody was told, to, you know, to go to conversion therapy when they're young, some did when they're older. But there was this idea at the time that you this could change yeah
0: charlotte i know you had a reaction to the quote <laughs> yeah
1: i used to read that quote all the time like in high school i read it all the time um and when i got back from my mission and i haven't read it or like heard it in years just because i avoid it because it brings up a lot of um shame and like self-hatred and um I, I, it's just it's just hard to hear it's hard yeah. to listen to and take myself back to that place where i was just Hating myself because um, I was thinking, well, I'm, I guess I'm not trying hard enough. Like my knuckles aren't bleeding enough. Yeah. And at the point where I was stretching myself so thin, and doing everything I knew how to change this part of me.
2: Yeah. And, and I think we'll get into it a little later, too. But the so this quote for me didn't come into my life until I was on my mission. Um, my first mission president really heavily encouraged all of the missionaries on our mission to read the miracle of forgiveness. And I'd already been through two years of conversion therapy, you know, and it obviously hadn't worked. Um, and then I read this book and when I got to this part, it, it just made me feel like it was all my fault that the conversion therapy didn't work, that, yeah. that I hadn't tried hard enough. That there was something that I was lacking in that, that made it so this wasn't working um, and it put a lot of shame and burden on me and and that's why I ultimately went through the process again later in life because I felt like you know I I hadn't done enough yeah and Dustin what was it like for
0: that what was that like for you to believe that it was your fault that things weren't changing I
2: mean it it just makes you feel like you know you're not enough like the, what who and what you are and, and what you're doing is not enough and you it, it almost kind of makes it feel like god is not happy with you that it that he's not granted your request because he hasn't seen enough effort from you and and so it puts a lot of pressure on you to to be perfect to do more than you are now so that this will change um and and it makes it so that whenever there is anything that you notice that's not perfect it becomes a big deal this is you know this is why i'm not changed yet I'm not doing enough and it it, that shame I guess gets worse and worse the longer it goes on
0: It sounds like every mistake you made then became amplified Yeah, because that was then the reason that that you weren't getting the desired results. Correct.
2: Yeah
1: So. So this first time you went to conversion therapy sounds like it was kind of I don't want to say forced but like heavily encouraged by parents and church leaders.
2: Yeah, so my my parents met with our bishop, you know to to figure out what to do here. Um, and that was conversion therapy. So, this would have been um, early 2000s. Um, and there was at that time a book um, that was printed by the church um, called Understanding and Helping Those Who Have Homosexual Problems. Um, and in there it says um, It is important for you as a church leader to help members understand that, regardless of the causes, these problems can be controlled and eventually overcome. And so that was the material that my bishop, you know, had referenced to yeah. to go off of, and so conversion therapy was strongly recommended at that
0: point. Yeah. So when you, when you went to it, like, what did the therapy look like? Like, walk us through. Like, you
2: go, you go meet with the therapist. <laughs> like, what like how
1: nervous are you this first time walking in? Or are yeah. you excited?
2: No, I mean, it was definitely put to me in a way that you know, this is this is trying to help you. This is something that we're doing because we love you and, and that's the point i wanted to kind of articulate about you know my parents and, and the other parents is that this is something that they did because they they love their child um and and that was definitely the way it was presented to me was that this is something that we want for you because we love you and is that how you understood it at the time it is yeah and, and it sounds like that's how you understand it still today it is yeah and i mean i i i I've heard so the therapy I went to is not definitely the worst therapy that I've I've heard of. I've heard of you know terrible things like electroshock therapy and vomit therapy and and stuff. And I didn't have to go through any of that, you know. But I but I've definitely heard these stories of parents who were crying on the way driving their kids to therapy because they knew what was going on there, but they were trusting that this was the best thing for their kid and that they 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 needed this. It's almost that like tough love. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's almost been presented to me like the idea of you know Abraham taking his son up the mountain to kill him um trusting that this was what God was asking of him and what needed to happen and I think those that was that's the idea of the the parents in this situation that you know we're we love you we know this sucks but this is you know best Mm -hmm. for you type of a thing
1: would you be comfortable sharing what like a typical session was like
2: I mean, they varied. So I saw during the first time that I went through conversion therapy, I saw a couple different therapists. Um, They were all with the same um, company, I guess you could say, in the same building. Like the same clinic? Yeah. Same agency? Um, But it it was a couple different people. Um, And and it just kind of depended. Like they would ask me, you know, how things were going at the time and then focus the the session on whatever it was. But there was definitely kind of major things that were used as between all of the sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I, wrote, I went through and wrote down a couple of the big ones that I remember. Um, one of the ones um, that stood out was like, I think specific to this therapist or therapy clinic um, was something called ACT, um, which stands for acknowledge the thought, change the thought, take action on the thought. Um, and the whole idea behind this is like, if you have a gay thought, like you're you see some shirtless guy running down the street and you're curious or you know about it Mm -hmm. acknowledge the fact that you just had a gay thought and then change your thought to something else so for me as a dancer growing up you know i'm going to focus on dance and and think about choreography or something and then the the take action part is now use your body to to work out something on that thought so get up and start tapping or or doing whatever Um, and and the thought was you know over time you're just gonna no longer have those thoughts because your body's realizing that you don't want to think about those things anymore which Mm -hmm. kind of is kind of the idea of just turn it off just not Mm -hmm. yeah yeah are you thinking about act
0: act act i was thinking about
1: whether or not you two met at tap class no (laughs) No, we didn't i didn't go to tap class till i was an adult (laughs) um no but but that is funny because there's a modality called acceptance and commitment therapy that is like Known as act like Act therapy and it's not that yeah,
2: it, it, it's different <laughs> and wonderful <laughs> yeah. yeah, this this obviously like we know now like doesn't work just like yeah. don't think about it It'll go away mm-hmm. and that 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 doesn't
0: work. Yeah, and what was that like for you? Like you'd have you you would be attracted to someone you would tap
2: and then like What was that like for you and, and by tapping you mean like tap dancing? Yeah, like okay. tapping my feet and, and stuff and um, so I mean honestly it wasn't that bad like that, I feel like the of the things I went through, like that was probably the least damaging. Um, that was just kind of a like way to think, like okay, I have this thought, I'm gonna move away from it. it but it, it definitely didn't bring like sh- the idea of shame to it, like some of the other stuff. Um, but that was so that one wasn't that bad, and I I think it was actually of the the was probably something I enjoyed the most because I got to dance and, <laughs> and do other do other <laughs> stuff like that. But it it definitely you know over time the longer you go through this and the more you realize this isn't changing Actually, it gets frustrating yeah. yeah and it would get frustrating yeah
0: you know i i remember the the, the song that we learned as, as children you know hum your hum favorite, your favorite hymn. hymn yeah and and when i was an undergrad at bYU i, I had this ring i probably told the story before but it was a return with honor ring my mom had given me when i left on my mission and whenever i would think some guy was cute i would just like twirl that ring on my finger and then i would uh hum a hymn and to try
2: and like not think about it did you find though that like because this is something i found like when you were twirling that ring now you associate that with gay thoughts right and so then whenever that ring whenever you're twirling it does that bring back things because i i have found or i found at the time you know like now i associate like tap tapping my feet with this act therapy
0: Mm -hmm. yeah I, i i didn't do it as as religiously or as as consistently as you did so for me no it doesn't but
2: I f- I feel like that's kind of what it did for me. Like it didn't really obviously change my gayness, but it definitely like
0: It made tap dancing more gay. <laughs> <You gotta guess. laughs> How's that even possible? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so 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 walk us through some other things that that you you might have done in in therapy when you were a teen
2: Yeah, so one of the the big things which I you guys have brought this up on a couple other podcast episodes is, you know Trying to determine like the root cause of like why you became gay Mm -hmm. and there's like many different theories out there Um, And so it was kind of presented to me as like we need to find what your root cause was like It's different for different people. We need to find what yours is and then if we can figure that out Then we can reverse it type of thing so ideas like you had an overbearing mother or a weak father or you were molested by a man when you mm-hmm. were young or you were given gay pornography or something like that and so th- we went through you know questions of, of different things and, and none of these things fit for me I wasn't molested I didn't get exposed to gay pornography my parents are great mm-hmm. you know none of these these things fit and so we just kept searching and searching and searching and probing all these questions and it just kind of put a lot of shame on to me as you know you're not telling us you know why haven't we found this cause what are you hiding type of a thing what is what is your root cause and it was became just this thing of i cannot figure this out i cannot figure out what i did to cause this so it sounds like that was incredibly frustrating Yeah, it is, because when you're presented with the idea of, you know, if we can find the root cause and we can change it, then you want to find the root cause. And so not being able to find it makes it feel like I cannot change this until I do this. Yeah. You know, as you're talking, I'm I'm realizing that like like today
0: people are trying to avoid causes of, of, you know, quote unquote, like making people gay. I I was just talking to um, some some leaders of a stake I was speaking in and they were just concerned, like. My speaking would would get youth to maybe like think that they were gay and then question it. And They were concerned that 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 by thinking and questioning might might lead them to develop those feelings or think that they had those feelings, and and so I I, I tried to uh, like say no 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 like like that like that's not going to happen you know either, either you are or you aren't and and they, they just like kept pressing like well we really don't want these kids to think they're gay if they're not and I, I think you know people are still concerned about what's making people gay and and how can we fix that and, and or avoid it in the case that i'm talking about
2: yeah and with all the science and stuff we we, we don't no one knows you know what, what the cause is and i think it's a fruitless endeavor trying to shield your kid from every single thing that could ever possibly turn them gay because there's so many theories out there of what could what what it could be and then, like I said, none of those things <laughs> that anyone has ever suggested has ever resonated with me. Right. Uh, some of the other things, uh, so I was encouraged really heavily to participate in like manly type activities, um, which for me was a little challenging because I grew up in the dance world and the theater world and the music world. Yeah. And those things were, especially in the 90s and the early 2000s, viewed as girly, Yeah, feminine, feminine yeah. gay uh-huh. type things. Um, and so, you know you need to do basketball you need to do wrestling you need to go out and spend time with the guys and stuff um which almost it made it for me it made it worse because i already had this idea that like i can't have the the life in this realm that i want like the dating relationship type realm and so the thing that's bringing me joy at, the, at that point in my life was my extracurricular activities, dance, theater, music, those those type of things. And so it was almost like it was being taken. That was also being taken away from me, too. Like I couldn't have this other part of my life because I was gay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the, the straight people in theater and dance and music, they were fine to have those things, but mm-hmm. not but not for people like me. Um, and so it just. Was making me feel like I had to fit every aspect of my life into something I didn't want—not just one aspect, but all of it.
1: That yeah. sucks. Yeah. I'm sorry.
2: It's, I mean, it's I, not, that was that's
1: that's so sad. And you're just like a kid trying to be happy and dance and perform. Yeah. And I'm so sorry.
2: Th- that's the one thing that I, I definitely like refused with conversion therapy. Is I, <laughs> no football. <laughs> yeah. That's what I draw the line. This is, this is the thing that's making me happy. This is what I need. I really don't want to do these things. And, you know, the other part of this is there are plenty of people in these quote unquote manly activities who are gay or somewhere on the LGBTQ plus spectrum.
1: I mean, I grew up playing basketball.
2: Yeah. And, Obviously, doing those manly things didn't cure anybody else's gayness. So, why was that going to? It's cure possible, mine? actually, that like <laughs> that <laughs> my <laughs> shot got better with the wrist. But <laughs> <the> <laughs> <laughs> well, what else do you want to share about your experience going um, when you were a teenager? Yeah, so this is kind of where we get into the more like a little bit the traumatizing, the nitty gritty parts of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, so I was really. I was encouraged with my therapists to talk about explicitly um, any sexual fantasies that I had um, that they would they would question me about, you know, if I if I found a certain person at school attractive and you know, they wanted to, me to tell them about all the thoughts that I had about this person and, and stuff. And they to pick these apart and, and try and figure out psychologically why I was having these thoughts. Oh, do you like him? Because he's actually you know, popular because he has a nice hair hairstyle or whatever. And you're jealous of those things. Um, but it went a little deeper than that. It was also like the, the actual fantasies and stuff that I was experiencing as a normal 16 year old kid would be, mm-hmm. um, and, and trying to morph those fantasies into a heterosexual type way. Um, I was very spe- to- specifically told at the beginning of their starting therapy that it this is I don't know. if This is too much to say for this type of podcast. Saying, okay. but I I was told that seeing myself in these fantasies in a top role was going to be better for my conversion than if I was seeing myself in like a bottom type role. Um, that that was going to be easier easier to to switch over to a homosexual or heterosexual fantasy um and so i was that that was something that they really probed me on quite early on so
1: for translation that's like a more active sexual role than a a passive i don't know is there a better way to say that i think that's i don't i don't want
2: to (laughs) be super explicit yeah i don't want to be either
0: so so dustin you're you're a teen talking explicitly about your sexual fantasies and then you're being coached into what those sexual fantasies should look like
2: correct yeah and which can be really really awkward when you're a 16 year old kid and you have a 35, 40 year old man talking to you and you're being asked to, to divulge this information and talk. To them yeah. And yeah. Like,
1: like somebody guiding the way you should think about,
2: about,
0: sex. about yeah. sex. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at the time, what was that like for you?
2: Awkward, <laughs> Re- really awkward. Um, and it, 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 it shifts the idea of, all of this to be about sex. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes it all about sex. And and it's something that shouldn't be that way. Like this is, this is such a bigger thing than just, than just, than just sex. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, can I ask like, I mean, since we're already controversial in this episode and we've given the, the warning, um, I, I have like, people ask me sometimes about like nocturnal emissions yeah (laughs) like we usually don't even like cover any sexual material but but i i remember like um like again this is like normal part of male puberty and the first time that happened to me i um was like a like super confused i was like oh what just happened but it was like a a dream um that with a guy it was like a guy in the dream right and i remember it wasn't even like sexual at all like i'd never seen pornography i'd like never seen a naked man but it was just like a relationship with another male right um and i felt a lot of shame because of that and looking back um it's actually like i don't know i think it's telling in a way that like i had no sexual experiences whatsoever at all and then my body naturally was drawn towards men right um but I'm wondering if that, like, was part of conversion therapy at all. Because that's, like, a really taboo topic that people don't talk about. But I'm, I'm, a lot of people I've talked to are, like, r- feel really shameful for those, like, non-controllable dreams that they have. Does that
2: make sense? Yeah, and it w- it definitely wasn't part of my conversion therapy. Um, but looking back on it, you know, I personally didn't feel shame about that kind of a thing because it wasn't something I could control. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more of just evidence to me that, that you were this, wired the yeah, wrong way. This wasn't changing. Huh. The, the the conversion therapy hadn't worked yet because I was having these uncontrollable thoughts and they were still about men. Men. Yeah. 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 Well, Justin, thank you for like digging into your past and being willing to share this with us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're so courageous.
0: <laughs>
2: it's, You're it's brave. been, it's, it's been a while. So I've, I've had time to, you know, to process this and come to terms with it. Um, the last thing I wrote down is probably actually the worst thing I think it's worse. that I, that I experienced <laughs> through this. Um, and that was that I was definitely given pornography during, during my conversion therapy process um, and encouraged to masturbate and do all of the things you normally do with pornography to help me, You know,
1: I'm guessing these are like nude women.
2: Yeah, like 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 Playboy type magazines and uh and
1: stuff. And so it's like to associate women with sexual pleasure.
2: Right. Right. The the idea that if you're if you're aroused, then it's being aroused to a woman. And that if you're having (laughs) a climax, that it's that it's about a woman. And so that's going to rewire your brain to to associate pleasure Mm -hmm. with a female's body.
0: Yeah, you know, I I went to conversion therapies like one and a half sessions when I was an undergrad at BYU in in 2008 when I was uh, 24. And my therapist said like in the whole session, he didn't ask me any questions the whole session. He just like went through all the attractive parts of a male body all the attractive parts of a female body. And the only question he asked me the whole session was, do your genitals function properly? To which I said yes, and then he said, "Well, I'm not going to give you pornography, but sometimes you just like you'll you'll rub against your jeans a certain way and, and you'll get aroused." He said, "Every time you're you aroused, think of the beautiful parts of a woman's body, and that will make you straight." Yeah, that, that's what I was. So not not quite as explicit, but that that was the the same theory that was that was being told to me in
2: 2008. And and when you're not wired that way, when you're not like when you don't find those things attractive yeah, and, what was and desirable, like? it be, it becomes icky it becomes well i mean you feel really gross yeah really when that's happening well
1: even just like the thought of like somebody like giving pornography to a minor and encouraging them to masturbate to it that like feels super icky and
2: and illegal and
1: illegal (laughs) right and it's just it's like yeah and it's shocking that that's like so commonplace
2: yeah and i think people are thinking you know 15 and 16 year old kids are are almost adults you know but you're you're a minor your brain is not fully developed at, at that point and, and pornography of any kind is going to mess with your with your brain so and,
1: might as well mess it the right way yeah i guess um
2: but there i, I think there's even a, a deeper level at least for me um when i was experiencing this and that is that you know i spent every general conference growing up hearing about the evils of pornography so it's evil for my straight peers, but it's good and, I would say, necessary for me in my journey, um, which is really confusing to to have to think about. And the same thing with the masturbation, you know, evil for them, good and necessary for me. Mm -hmm. And so when it's you're in those confusing. yeah when you're in those moments of trying to okay i need to look at this i need to do this you feel gross because it's not something you want but also you feel like you're sinning because mm-hmm. this has been told to you that it is bad and sinning
1: what was your relationship with god and the church like as you were like in that phase of conversion therapy
2: um i mean i was i feel like just like every other little mormon boy in, in utah at the time i was really active in my Aaronic priesthood quorums and, and trying to, um, to do the right thing so that I could have this thing changed about me. And I still had a you know, strong belief that the, the prophet was the, you know, the mouthpiece of God. And then that this was necessary for me because it was coming from church leadership. Mm. Um, the, the last thing I'll say is that, um, you know, it also, the the pornography thing also made this issue very much uh, a lustful, sexualized thing. Um, the, the other dichotomy here was that, you know, my straight peers were being told that women were daughters of God and needed to be seen as such and not objectified and, and treated with respect. And I was being told I needed to, to objectify them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't complete until I could. Sexually lust after a woman's body yeah
0: does i'm just like feeling a lot of like pain and sorrow for this like little kid who's just trying to do his best and just be good and and has to go through all these tough things
2: yeah it was it, it, it was definitely something that i kept hidden as much as i could because i didn't want people to know about um and i i haven't talked about this in a, a long long time and the other thing i, I want to say is that my my parents didn't really know, you know, what was going on with conversion therapy. And, and I think that's the way it is for most parents. I think I was this was treated for me like a bishop's interview where this was between me and the conversion therapist. And, and so it wasn't something that I actively talked about. With like them.
1: That's that thing that you got going on. Maybe I could check in. How's
0: it going
2: yeah, yeah, and and it it wasn't, and I and if my parents had known, you know, what was going on, this definitely would have been a different a different story.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, doesn't thank you for just being so open and vulnerable. You said this isn't this is something you haven't talked about in a long time. I'm, yeah. I'm just wondering, like, how are you feeling? How are you doing?
2: Um, I'm a little tense, a little a little nervous, but it's, I, I think it's something that needs to be said, and so I it gives me a little bit of courage because I I don't want other people to have to go through this and. Um, something you shared, Ben, on the last podcast you did on conversion therapy was that um, you watched that documentary, um, Pray Away. And there's the quote, you know, of, as long as people don't know about, or as long as people think that this is a problem, this is always going to pop up mm-hmm. and that the conversion therapy is going to come back. And, you know, there was this idea in the mid 2010s of, conversion therapy kind of going away. And then now it's starting to kind of pop back up in, in certain places. And so I think it's important for people to know about what this is um, and how this affects people so that it doesn't have to affect someone else. Yeah.
1: Well, if you want a friend, I can join you in on some of that tension and not wanting to talk about this. Um, I feel like pretty impacted by everything you're saying um, because I relate to it a lot. And I've I've kind of mentioned this before. Um, and I don't know why it's like, I feel like I share everything. I probably overshare on this podcast, but like this aspect of like my like past, it just feels so, um, like grossly disconnected from who I actually am that it's just, it's so, uh, it's so horrible. And, and I, I consider myself lucky because I I never like had to like be driven to a place and walk in and meet with someone, but like like you were saying like if this is viewed as a problem this is gonna come up as a like quotation like air quotes solution and so i was just like devouring material on how to make myself straight um and a lot of the stuff that you practiced i was like doing to myself yeah um and so like hearing your reactions to it i'm just like yeah i remember feeling that horrible and that like disgusted with myself and and especially that last thing you said about like um like masturbating to like nude women. Um, I I, like tried to do that a few times and I like never felt worse. Like it was just disgusting and it felt so, um, like so cheapening and like, I I couldn't do it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't alluring at all. Right. It just felt really gross. And I just, um, I don't know. It just, It would just felt so backwards, and I felt like I was trying to objectify someone, which was yeah. so against the the boy that I was and the man I wanted to be. And it's just, I don't know. I hate it. I I, I hate that feeling, and I'm so sorry that you felt it.
2: Yeah. I'm sorry you felt it that way as well. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. What would you guys say to someone who like is doing these things or considering things, these kinds of things right now?
2: I would say that it only brought me more shame. Mm -hmm. You know, there there was already a level of shame that I carried about being gay from what I'd been taught about gay people and what was said about gay people, both in and out of the church. Um, But going through these gross (laughs) therapies only, only brought more shame to me. Um, And so it, it it just, it it doesn't work. Those, Those, those therapies just don't work um and if you're if you're really looking to get rid of the shame you need to focus on accepting yourself and and loving yourself um in order for that to go away these 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 methods are not what's going to do it
1: mm-hmm. for me I, I kind of already said this but those moments were the most um disconnected sad moments of my life yeah so, mic dropped there. <laughs> that's that's what it does. That's what it did to me. Yeah.
2: and and yeah. you know, I had all these times with the therapists where they would do these check ins with me to you know, we've been doing this for a couple months. You know, how are you feeling? what what's your level of attraction to men look like? And has this, this moved at all? And every single time, I would have to say because I was being honest <laughs> that. Nothing's changed f- for me. This isn't working. Um, I'm still just as much attracted to men and not attracted to women as I was before, and it, that sh- that got put on to me as you know. Your that's your fault. This mm. is not changing because you're not doing it right. You're not going and attending the basketball things like you should be doing. You know all those <laughs> things. There's there's all these reasons why it's not working for you and it's working for my other clients. So why isn't it working for you? That's what
0: you're told. It was working for other people, but not for you.
2: Yeah. And oh uh, Oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) but which, you know, looking back on it now, it's like these people were were lying. Well, I was going to
1: say like, that's like really bold. Like you have so much courage to just be like, yeah, this is what's happening. Cause I feel like I would have been like, oh yeah, it's all good. Just so I wouldn't have to be doing that stuff anymore.
2: Yeah. And I mean, that was, I, I, there was some level of security about being behind a door with a therapist. Or I could tell him that it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like if I had been talking to, to somebody else, like one of my peers or something, then I probably would have lied and, and said, oh yeah, things are going things are going great. This mm-hmm. is working. And I just happened to be that person that with, with the therapist. I, I, I wanted this to work. And so I had to be honest with him so that I could find the way for it to work because it wasn't working. And if I, mm-hmm. I felt like if I lied to him, then we were just going to stay where we were.
1: Did you ever wear a rubber band and snap yourself when you saw a hot guy? No, uh. I just,
2: just tapped my feet. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I, I,
1: I remember doing that too. Um, like along with associating the female figure with like good feelings, like yeah. pleasure, I would associate the male figure with like being hurt, like pain. Mm-hmm. And I know quite a few other people who have done that. Yeah. the Rubber band was
0: convenient way it's like look
1: at my cool bracelet
0: <laughs> <laughs> well Dustin let's jump ahead so you served a mission and then after mission when you were in college you w- without your parents encouraging you to decide to go back why did you yeah. go back so and you went to a different place I understand like you didn't go back to the same place you'd gone as a teen
2: no no because I was living in Cedar City and I'm going to, to college there so While I was on my mission, I I alluded to this earlier that I read The Miracle of Forgiveness um, and definitely felt like the therapy didn't work because of me. This was, I didn't try hard enough. There was something there that was causing this to happen. It wasn't the therapy itself. Um, And so when I came home, I was expecting some level of this attraction to have gone away just from being a a good missionary and things hadn't things hadn't changed. And so I had a really, really, really amazing state president at the time, um, probably the greatest priesthood leader I've ever had. Um, and he was non-judgmental and really supportive. And um, I met with him a few times and um, he had nothing but love, but he, he didn't as any know straight church leader doesn't really have a lot of experience in this realm um and so he was trying to help me by you know looking up things and, and one of the things that he suggested was going to see lds family services which was what i was called at the time um and and so i you know he was more it, it wasn't about conversion therapy for him it was just maybe you need someone who's got a little more experience in this realm than i have mm-hmm. um, and so i went to see lds family services and um this therapist there is the one who recommended or brought up conversion therapy again and i was willing to try it because of this idea that you know it it probably works because the profit and the everything that's been published says that it it works and so or past profits have said it yeah um and so it probably works and so i'll I'll try it again i I was kind of desperate to to have it change
0: all right, so so how did this experience going to therapy and Se city compare to your experience when you were a teen
2: yeah so it was it was different it was much more PG um, but it was uh, I was given a booklet that was printed by uh, evergreen um, which is an organization that doesn't really exist anymore um, but it was a, a LDS group um, designed for um, helping gay members of the church not it wasn't run by the church but a group of lds people who ran it um and and that has since gone away and um but anyways the so it was a booklet that i um had all these different writing assignments in and, and questions that were presented to me that i had to to fill out and think about and 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 um things like you know um, what are your values what are your goals um, what things do you believe to be true and how can how can your life what choices can you make in your life to to live those values and, and goals um so a, l- a little more you know but the, but the, uh, I guess I'm not a um, that, that sounds kind of nice like yeah on values. it does and... but I, but I guess what I'm not articulating is it, it the, the questions were definitely phrased in a way that was like how did how do your values about sexuality what are your values about you know sex and, and 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 then those things um so it was definitely geared towards that aspect of it um but yeah there were also things in in the book like encouraging me to play basketball and, and doing manly things and establishing good relationships with men to because the idea that you know my my relationships were men with men were weak and so that's what helped me to become gay. And so fixing those would, would, would fix this. Yeah. So why did you stop going? Um, I just got tired. I, 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 I I was tired of putting effort into all of this and not seeing any results. Um, And I just slowly realized that this wasn't changing and it wasn't going to change. Um, And, and that I was still in a place where I wasn't accepting of myself I was still unhappy with who I was um but I just got to the point where I realized this isn't changing and I'm gonna have to <laughs> I don't feel this way anymore but uh, that I was gonna have to carry this burden for my the rest of my life that I was just gonna have to force myself to be single and um and then if I could do that then in the next life God would change it That this was just a test yeah
0: how old were you when you were like making that decision
2: um probably around like 23 yeah,
0: I went through a very similar process where I like I gave up on my career. I was just going to like hunker down, just have a lonely single life and just kind of white knuckle it till I died. Yeah, that's how I was feeling too.
2: And I and it made me kind of shift focus to to be about other things in my life, like career and dance that I was involved in and, and stuff like that. So that I, I had something in my life that would bring me joy mm-hmm. because I knew I wasn't going to come from relationships
1: It seems like talking to you now, you are pretty accepting, like affirming of yourself and your orientation. How did you get to that point? This point?
2: Yeah, it's 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 been complicated um, and it's only been fairly recent. Um, I've only been out publicly for just a little over a year. Um, Last January, I came out on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks. Um, But even even at that time, I feel like when I was coming out, I, I still wasn't fully there. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely been a process of coming to terms with, uh, and I guess we're kind of delving into that point that I spoke about earlier is, is, for me, the conversion therapy was when I started to realize that church leaders were were not infallible. Um, and, and that's what I'd been taught to believe my entire life was that everything that came out of a church leader's mouth was the will of God. Um, and so that I, I finally started having to realize, you know, this, and this is years after I had been out of conversion therapy, but starting to realize, you know, I had been given these promises and none of them came true. It only brought me pain and heartache. It didn't bring me any peace. It didn't bring me any change that I was, that I was promised. And so I had to come to terms with that, these unfulfilled promises, and then shift my my relationship with God to be a personal one. It had to be me and him. And I couldn't have this, or I I guess I, I should say there was less of a middleman there where I started realizing that... If, if the you know if church leaders were wrong about this, then I, I need to start questioning other things that they say, and I need to have more personal revelation to tell me what is right and wrong. Um, and as I started to to shift my relationship with God to be more personal, I that's when I started being more okay with myself, and that's where I'm at now is being happy with who I am and accepting and and liking who liking this aspect of myself.
1: Yeah as you're saying this it sounds like um it's it's absent of like anger or resentment at those church leaders that like kind of like I guess using the best knowledge they had pushed you down a path that led to some really painful experiences and I just, I guess I just want to compliment that maturity that you can like look at that and not be like just, like super angry and resentful does that make sense yeah uh, that, that, that'd be hard
0: I mean, maybe it's because we just read it in the come follow me reading but it's reminding me of like joseph of of egypt when like mm. the brothers come and every, they're all reconciled and he's like it's okay god let us here yeah and he just forgives them. it sounds like you're just grateful that you're at a place where where you're you're affirming of who you are and you're not focusing on on, on, on the pain and that was caused yeah
2: and I'm glad you brought up the you know, scriptures because that is another thing that helped me get to where I'm at, is that I, I started to realize that there are so many places in scripture where the prophet or the prophet and his uh, you know, disciples or the people helping him make mistakes, and and that doesn't take away their prophetic role. Um, these, and I I, th- I think there's a a tendency in church culture now that you know the everything has to be right or it's all wrong Um, and i don't think that that's ever been the way that people have looked at the gospel in in the past like I, i think of moses being chastised by multiple different people um jonah running away from god and being had to be swallowed by a whale and then going and doing his his role um lehi murmuring against god and nephi having to to reprimand him joseph smith himself has multiple times in the doctrine and covenants where god has to correct him and and put him in a new direction and 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 none of those men were deemed to be no longer prophets they were they were still regarded as as leaders and and still continue to do great things after those fat after that fact and so those seeing that is also something that's helped me to realize that these men I feel, and, and this is again, personal feeling here, but I, I, I truly feel like our leaders of, of the church are inspired by God. Um, but I, I, I think that just like you and I, they, they make mistakes. There's only been one perfect person to have ever lived and that's Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I have, if I am willing, or if I accept, want people to give me grace and allow me the chance to make mistakes, then I need to give that to other people, and that includes our church leaders.
0: Yeah, you know, doesn't what you're saying reminds me of, of the story that a friend said of of a clear example of an apostle who was trying to defend the Savior, Peter, who who defended the Savior by by wounding someone by cutting off his ear, and what the Savior did was he healed the wound, and so what, what I'm hearing you say is you were wounded by. By church leaders and you turn to christ for healing Yeah,
2: and it's still a process and I and I feel like that's a process for everybody that we're all going through this whole this whole life is trying to to be healed by jesus christ and I just no longer Think that the healing that i'm looking for is being straight
0: Recording this podcast is really fun But right now i'm just like feeling a lot of sadness um, just for like the ways that we hated ourselves and for the people today who probably hate themselves and the, the extent that people go to to try and change something that 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 we couldn't change. yeah. And, uh, you know, I I just want to live in a world where something that that that, that we don't choose uh, isn't something that we hate and then go through extreme lengths to try and change. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: You know, uh, something I've been th- I don't know if this kind of fits in with what you're saying, but it just came to my mind. Something that I've been thinking about a lot recently is that. This life, at least we're taught is meant for as a as a teaching opportunity you know f- to prepare us for for the next life. and so I feel like a lot of the stuff we're going through is is meant to create that that next life. and something else I've been thinking a lot in regards to that is is diversity, and you know we have so many different types of people in this life people who have different colors of skin, different colors, eyes, heights, sexual orientation, different Um, kinds of pets. Yeah. There's, there's, there's so much diversity here and most of the, or all of this diversity is, is created by God. You know, he created all of us looking differently. We all have different personalities and I don't think that God would have created so much diversity here if it wasn't necessary for us to understand and accept and Value diversity if it's not going to be in the next life. I I feel like I truly feel like in the next life we're going to continue to be diverse. My I'm going to be who I am. Charlie, you're going to be who you are. That you know what what's the point of of learning and accepting to this diverse world to only go into a world where we're all the same in the next life? Mm -hmm. And that is something that's really helped me to to love who I am and to appreciate the differences in others, too.
1: You are so impressive. I just think you're a really impressive person.
2: Well, you used to live in Washington, so. <laughs> and I will never move back. <laughs> I think the same thing about you guys. Like, I, I, I feel like I wouldn't have come on this podcast if I didn't feel like it was m- going to be beneficial to other people, and I think that this media that you guys have created, this podcast, this YouTube series has definitely been helping a lot of people. And I I just hope that this message will help other people, especially people who are considering going through conversion therapy or people who have gone through it, um, to be able to, to reconcile with that.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your heart and being so brave and so vulnerable and having our most, explicit (laughs) episode to date yeah and Justin I I
0: hope you get a lot of love from listeners for just your your openness and your honesty please please don't hate me we don't yeah we don't well thank you so much yeah thanks guys thank you for joining us today if you have enjoyed this or other episodes please consider leaving a review following us on Instagram Facebook or YouTube at questions from the closet or sharing this podcast with someone you love and, and as always, please remember that we do not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Larry Saints or Brigham Young University. We're not trying to be prescriptive or tell anyone what to think or what to do. You heard
1: three perspectives, and there are many, many more. We encourage you to listen to other voices and hear a wide variety of experiences. If you would like to submit a question or share a comment about today's episode, you can email us at questionsfromthecloset at gmail.com. Until, Until next time. time.